So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I did it. I hit record. Okay, I hit record. Here we go. Uh... Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. <laughs> Built-in microwaves. Semi-colon. Uh, disappointment reliquaries. Yes. So that's not necessarily disappointing reliquaries. These are reliquaries <laughs> that for, for, for disappointment. I feel like um, we should start at the beginning. Uh, okay, which, that's well, a very good place to start. Is that a... <gasps> Did we just infringe copyright by me saying that? Isn't right. that from Isn't that from the now infamous? Um, uh, what is the movie? Oh, Sound the of the Music. The children. Yes, yes, Sound of Music with there the children no in the curtain pants. There are no Nazis in the Sound of Music. Yes, there are no Nazis in this. So that's movie. a th- that's a throwback to an early episode recorded in which uh, Meg recounts her uh, her experience discovery. of her discovery of the Nazis in Sound of Music, having only ever watched the first. VHS tape of The Sound of Music as a child and never right, getting because, to the second one. Because my family's trashy. Yeah. <laughs> and no one could be bothered to put in the second video for us as children. Right. And so and it, it was just like, I will put in one videotape and that is all that I love you and I'm walking away. And so you just watched the first. I like, I don't even know. I, so where did it end for you? Well, it ends before Nazis. I vaguely remember like, Liesel, I think, is the oldest child yeah. or one of them, and she's like dating some guy, and then I'm told that later he becomes like Hitler Youth or something, mm-hmm. or always yeah. is, but you don't know this in the first half. But like nothing, like none of the drama starts. Right. Like I remember this. I remember this movie being drama free. Like oh, it's a movie about children and their governess who makes like their clothes out of curtains, and that's all I remember. Uh huh. And lots of singing songs about like sort of superficial things and um like the daughter in a dress and she's like outside in a garden and maybe like kissing some guy the hitler youth yeah or something like that or there's the implication that they're like i don't remember maybe there's maybe they're scandalously holding hands under a gazebo i don't remember gotcha yeah but it's like nothing like isn't there an actual point point in the movie where there's the intermission and it's got like the imagery of the red curtains and it says like like I probably yeah I it's I just kind of was like you know I it's been a long time since VHS and yeah I vaguely remember some movies spanning two VHS tapes and I just didn't in my mind I was thinking like do they literally just like cut it and it, like at the end of like a scene where it's just kind of like the whole movie doesn't make sense or like, I mean, I mean, obviously the whole musical I mean, doesn't it, make sense because it doesn't <laughs> like, I was always kind of like confused about what the purpose of this movie even was because there's no resolution to the story. It's just yeah. like, Oh, there's these children and then this governess and then there's intermission and you're like, right, okay. right, right. Well, whatever, whatever. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about disappointment reliquaries. Um, Uh, I mean, I will say this, and I don't think I mentioned this in the other episode. Uh, I knew that Julie Andrews was like the person who did that and Mary Poppins. And I was like, for what it's worth, Mary Poppins is a much more coherent film. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I remember thinking this Uh as a kid, like, I like Mary Poppins better because it makes a lot more sense, even though it is about magic, Uh which is crazy. Right, right. Yeah. 
That's pretty funny. Anyway, yeah, disappointment reliquaries. Okay, so uh, so what is a reliquary? Well, reliquary is basically um, a container for relics. Uh, so uh, they kind of uh, reliquary, like so religion uh so christianity for sure has a lot of reliquaries because christianity is like big on the whole relics thing although a lot of the old religions seem to be that way um so hmm. reliquaries often uh people think of reliquaries in terms of like um like small shrines like really ornate boxes and things that ah. then contain an actual re- that would then be for containing the relic Oh, um, is this where like they're like the bone, the pinky bone of a saint is in this tiny little thing embedded in this altar table? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so reliquary sh- shrines are uh, big in um, like big in in Christianity for sure. There's lots of like if you look at uh, if you look for reliquaries, there's lots of like these sort of like ornate boxes that oftentimes like stand up and have panels that open up and um oh yeah, and oftentimes, like trifold. Yeah, I mean, like looking at them, um, there's like a boxed reliquary um, of Saint Turin, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, in the in Turin, uh, well, Saint Saint Turin. There's a reliquary yeah. for or of. Let's see. There's a box reliquary of Saint Turin, and um, mm, okay. Uh, and where? But you don't know where that's stored. And the box is uh, it's stored in the Roman Catholic Church, but that's not a uh, but which in Saint. One? Uh, sorry, it's Saint Peter's. Basilica, I believe, mm, in Vatican okay. City. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I mean, much about Catholicism, to be honest. Like, well, I get it's inscrutable. I could, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> right. Um, it makes no sense. I can say that I was like forced to be confirmed in it, and so I spent like the first two decades of my life having that shit rammed down my throat, and none of it makes any fucking sense. Right. Uh, so in Buddhism, there's something called a stupa, or uh, a stupa is a mound-like or hemispherical structure containing relics. Um, mm. So these relics, uh, these reliquaries, are much larger. Like they're basically buildings. Um, there's in India, there's something called the Great Stupa of Sanchi, um, and that's in India, and it's a basically like a big brick dome-like structure that contains relics of their religion. Uh, cool. Um, and actually, uh, one of the most significant relics is the relic of the tooth of the Buddha in Sri Lanka. That's interesting. Um, it's always some weird like body part that they've saved mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, like, like dressed up with all of this set dressing and like. And I mean, it's, some of the art's really cool, but it's super weird. Right. So yeah. the, uh, I mean, this is the, the relic of the tooth of the Buddha is really like a whole nother podcast. Um, All right. Other, another, another, um, another. Yeah. It's so the tooth is stored in the temple of the sacred tooth relic, a world, oh. her, a world her, heritage site in candy. Wow. Uh, which is, I believe pronounced candy, um, which is a city in, uh, 
in Sri Lanka. Okay. So uh, anyway, that's that. I, I guess would be considered a reliquary. Um, so what do we mean by disappointment reliquaries? Well, uh, disappointment <laughs> I think is one of our um, one of our what is it? Well, it's a, it's one of our do, favorite things. Yeah. Did we do a podcast um, that was like? I think it was the joy of melancholy. So yeah. I often think of like disappointment as as an aspect of um of the joy of melancholy. Uh so yes. um a component of a or component like a constituent of. of, yeah. Yeah. And so I mean you might be wondering like what does this have to do with art and design? And I think again, like it's pretty easy to argue that uh understanding human emotion and the human condition is helpful in expressing yourself in your art and in your design. Mm. Um, yeah. Or, you know, if you're designing for things and you're also interested in art. I you know, the more we talk about design, and especially mm-hmm. after that episode, um the, the art is not design or design is not art. Um Yes. I, I am a little bit disappointed that design is a subcategory of art. Yeah, I gotta agree. I don't disagree. I I don't disagree that they are often very tightly commingled, and they they mm-hmm. do have lots to do with each other. Um, the intent and the purpose is entirely different. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that, that chime on your phone. Yeah. Really good sound. It's such a. It's like a magic fairy just blessed you with a gift. Like what's what's going on over there? What I can't. What right. can't I see? Right. <gasps> what magic just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Bring. Bring. Um. Yeah, so anyway, uh disappointment uh something <laughs> There's we no t- magic, it's just a phone. It's just a phone. Disappointment. <laughs> Speaking right? of disappointment. You're gonna be sorely disappointed if you were thinking fairies and magic. I want a tiny necklace with a tiny fancy box, and uh-huh. inside the tiny fancy box is a teeny tiny little silver charm of a telephone, and it's just it's my reminder to me that disappointment stays with me always. <laughs> And I wanted to make that sound. Uh huh. Be like, what was that? Oh, it's just this dumb necklace of a cell phone that doesn't actually even work as a cell phone. It's even worse than the real thing. Yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Out of like beautiful metal, though, it's got to be gorgeous. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So disappointment being an aspect of the joy of melancholy, like. Yeah. 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 And. Um, so the entomology, ed- etymology, entomology, <laughs> entomen, like the the bakery, the baked goods of disappointment. Um, the yeah. etymology of disappointment can be traced back, according to Wikipedia. Um, and what is this? July 27, 2021. Yes. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it can be traced back to Middle English um, by way of the Old French disappointer or disappointer. Um, in mm. literal meaning, it is to remove from office. Uh it's use in the oh, sense yeah. of yeah to like people are appointed to an office and then you disappoint them if you remove them from the office yes. to which they were appointed yes okay yeah. get it um it's use in the sense of general frustration traces to the late 15th century and it first appears recorded in english as an emotional state of dejection in the middle 18th century so uh that's uh that's pretty interesting and i think um, generally, you can think of disappointment as a sort of subjective response relating to uh, anticipated rewards. So, um, the the joy of disappointment is in the um, in the expectations. Um, yes. And so, uh, 
I I would argue that for many people, a lot of these religious reliquaries, especially ones we were kind of mentioning, um, probably contain disappointment. In fact, they might be considered the ultimate in reliquary uh, disappointment reliquaries. I, mm. I mean, you can imagine like you know, like this reliquary, and it's like you know, containing the like the second middle finger digit. Or, you know, second middle finger right. bone. I forget what the... The, the knuckle, or whatever. The, Somebody's middle knuckle bone on their right hand. Yeah. Yeah. And and just how, like, gross and rotting and disappointing that is to find. And the, because the outside of the box, like, if you look at some of these religious reliquaries, like, they are just gilded in gold and just in, insanely ornate and Beautiful. constructed and carved Beautiful. and full of gems and... um and imagery and iconograph iconography iconography yeah and i struggle with that word um and uh i struggle with worcestershire 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 sauce uh-huh also because it's spelled worcestershire uh-huh and when i see that i can't not pronounce it like that (laughs) (laughs) sorry please continue that's all right um (laughs) Yeah, so it's just kind of like it's just anyway, the the whole concept of the disappointment reliquary is great to me because it's sort of I can imagine an entire art movement around making disappointment reliquaries. Um Well, we got to start it now. It's our thing. This yeah. is our thing now. Any anything anything you can use to contain your disappointment. Right. Um I, I mean, think the... children can be disappointment reliquaries in that regard. <laughs> I certainly, I would say, our, I would argue that our generation, um, especially like Gen X, was probably mm-hmm. a huge collection of disappointment reliquaries yep. in that We're just a repository context. for all of the disappointment from the boomers. Yep. They were like, look at us. We're going to own everything. And we're going to like tell everybody what to do. And we're going to have kids who are going to help us. And yeah. then we showed up and we were like, this sucks. We don't want to do any of this. And they're like, starting over. You're a total disappointment. Meet the millennials. They're your replacements. Right. But then and it's like, and then how disappointed the boomers were in the millennial generation. Right. And then they were like, that's okay. Just Force Gen Z or Gen X and uh, the millennials to have a bunch of kids and Gen Z comes along and they're like, quit being so mean to grandpa and grandma. <laughs> and they're the ones who are going to ruin us <laughs> yes. because they're going to carry forth all of the fucking crazy boomers, like ridiculous ideas, except they're going to do it for emotional reasons, not rational ones. And it's going to be even worse and we're all going to die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for disappointing? See, at this point, I feel like large-scale disappointment is impossible for me because where my expectations lie are that within the next three to five years, we're going to have seen massive waves of fire coming across the horizon at us, uh-huh. and we're all going to die like that. So anything short of that is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the, the inferno to engulf me on this little bridge of land between lakes and Minnesota. It's going to steam us all to death here. That's what's going to happen. Shit's going to start on fire. We're all going to steam to death because the swamps will boil. Uh-huh. I'm going to be boiled alive. You're going to burn to death. No, you're going to be fine because you're in San Diego and nothing there ever changes. Yeah. I'm going to be well, disappointed to death. I'm going to, the monotony, it's going to be a monotony of death. 
Like when we were there and I was like, oh, what if we stayed in San Diego? One of these days I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, how did I get to be fucking 95? And then I'd die because nothing ever changes there. And the yeah. passage of time doesn't occur. Like there's nothing right. to measure the passage of time. Yeah. Like like when you have a weird rainy day, like we had one the other day, or you have like a like a weirdly cold day where you're like, I guess I got to put some shoes on or something or socks or whatever <laughs> and not just like flip flops. Like Lauren's comment the other day about um, arguing that uh, flip flops are not shoes because they fail at two things. One being fashionable and two protecting your feet. Yes. Um, and my like she's 100 percent right. Like I don't disagree with any of that. And the only place that I re- like the reason that I wear them is like I live someplace where you don't need either of that. Right. Neither of those are requirements <laughs> like protecting your feet from what and fashion <sighs> for what? Like San Diego is not known for people wearing clothing that looks good. Like you go to right. like people wear clothing. Clothing is like. In many ways, I've, I think the only reason San Diego isn't just one giant nudist colony is because there's, we, we have a weird influx of conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they're too close. We don't have that like good buffer. So it's like they still kind of infect our, our culture a bit. But um, I mean, otherwise, it's like you don't need a lot of this stuff. Like it's just kind of optional. Like, you know, people right. wear... People people wear clothing here like they just feel like they want to wear a jacket today, but they're not wearing any like, you know, otherwise they're just wearing shorts and a T-shirt or, you know, <laughs> one day it's like, I'm going to wear pants. Well, great, because the temperature is good for pants or shorts. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're fine. Yeah. Whatever you decide is great. Right. Whatever you decide. That's like that's like the, that's like how everything in San Diego is all the time. Whatever is happening is great. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you going to do today? Oh, Nothing. Nothing. That's great. Yeah. That's what are you going to do? We're going to go to the beach or we're right. going to go to this garden store or yeah. we're going to go to McDonald's and have an emotional meltdown. It's all going to be the same. It's, it's all going to be the same, right? It's fine. Tomorrow will look exactly like today. So you get a do over. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Forever. <laughs> um, so I, I was writing down like this <clears throat> little note about the, the p- two points on which. Um, flip-flops fail and yeah. i wrote i wrote down protecting your feet from what question mark and i actually have a story about this mm. if you want to hear it yes please so years ago i was helping someone move and they had a very old couch with these little footy things on the legs so that it would slide across a, a surface like a hard floor easier mm-hmm and we were moving the couch and stuff in and out. And uh, I had on flip-flops, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're probably thinking now is like, why would you move heavy objects and help someone move a household full of their shit when you have on flip-flops and this leaves your toes exposed to crushing injuries? I'd like to refer people to the podcast, How to Do a Thing So That No One Ever Asks You to Do a Thing Again. It worked. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> It is a great podcast. You should listen to that one. So um, what I didn't crush my toes. I was really, really careful not to like let anything get near enough to crush my toes or drop anything really heavy or whatever. Right. I was super so successful at that that I didn't pay any attention to any of the other reasons I should be watching out. And I was standing in the back of the moving truck Uh looking out the big bay door. Yeah. And I was going to get down on my butt on the edge of it and then jump down onto the ground. Uh-huh. And as I walked towards the, the opening of the bay door to 
sit down, I stepped with my foot. Yeah. Uh, my left foot. And I was like, ow, I have something in my flip flop. Uh huh. Like I stepped on a rock or something. And so I like kept going towards the edge of the thing because I was going to sit down on the edge of the truck to jump out anyway. Yeah. And I, I took another step. I looked at my foot, like I shook my foot and I took another step and it was like, ow. And then I sat down on the edge of the truck and I was like, ow. And I pulled my flip flop off and I, I looked at my flip flop and there was nothing happening. Yeah. And I like, I looked down at my foot to see like, oh, is the like pebble stuck to the bottom of my foot or whatever it is. Yeah. And it wasn't a pebble. I, as I looked down and this all happened really quick. So I like, I popped down on the edge of the truck and I'm yeah. like, ow. And I pull off my sandal and I look at my foot simultaneously and this like jet of blood flies out oh, of Jesus. me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I'm like, what the hell? And I look and I was like, did I cut my foot on glass or what? Yeah. What had happened is one of the little footy things had come off the underside of the leg of the chair and was essentially <gasps> like an inch long spike of oh, metal that yeah. attached the little plastic footy thing to the chair leg. Uh-huh. And I had stepped on it. It was laying so that the the plastic part was flush with the floor and the yeah. spike was just sticking straight up in the air. Oh. And I stepped on it and it went all the way through my flip flop into my foot. And like when I picked up and I shook my foot, nothing happened because my sandal was like nailed into my foot foot. at that point. Right. And so when I, when I sat down and looked at my foot, I was like, I don't understand. And like when I looked at the underside of my flip flop, here's the funny thing. You know how some of those flip flops have like the flat discs that hold the the toe straps Uh onto that? Yeah. Yeah. So these flip flops that I had were better constructed than that. They were a little bit more expensive and they didn't have those round disc things. But I saw the round disc thing. Yeah. And I didn't at this point. Your brain was like, I know what that is. That can't be a problem. Yeah. I looked at it. I was like, oh, that's just the underside of my flip flop. And then I was like. No, these flip-flops don't have that thing. And then I flipped the shoe over so that the sole was pointing down again and the yeah. footbed was like at eye level and I see this like bloody spike oh, sticking out. I was like, oh my God. And the kicker to all of this, of course, is that I'm allergic to tetanus. So getting stabbed with old rusty metal pointy things uh-huh. is like not what I should do be doing at all like right, i should never right. be walking around i should never wear flip-flops period like right. i should just never wear them they're too dangerous but i do but i shouldn't when i leave the house i don't i usually change into something else before i leave the house right but like it's because of this because i'm allergic to tetanus vaccines so i can't be vaccinated against tetanus and so uh. shit that's just normal for other people like well it doesn't matter i'm just gonna go to the doctor or not it's fine uh-huh. because you've probably had your booster shots and i haven't had tetanus shots in like a million years because <laughs> they're like gonna kill me yeah and so i immediately start thinking is this the beginning of the last five days of my life <laughs> like am i going to am i going to die of tetanus now uh-huh. like Dying of tetanus is one of the worst ways you can die. It's so horrible. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. So immediately all the blood like drains out of my head and Uh I'm like, I think I'm going to faint. Oh no. Not because of the like spraying blood, which was actually really gruesome and horrifying. Right. Right. uh, And because it was so unexpected, 
but also because like i'm like oh no like what's it gonna be like i've only got five days left how am i gonna figure this out uh, they're never gonna believe me at the hospital and like which is also true because like yeah. nobody believes that i'm allergic to tetanus vaccines because oh, like no God. one's allergic to them ever right right and so and they're kind of like essential medicine and so yeah you get second cast all the time if you like admit this to healthcare workers. Well, what do you mean you're allergic to tetanus shots? And so I'm just like, I'm going to go to a hospital. I'm going to be like, listen, I have tetanus. I already know this. You need to treat me for it immediately before the neurotoxins start kicking out in my system. And I like die from excruciating pain in all of my nerves. And they wouldn't believe me. And then I would die of excruciating pain in all of, all of my nerves. <laughs> but that didn't happen because I'm here to tell you about it. Yeah, thankfully. Right. Uh, it did suck to walk on that foot for a few days, but oh, God, after 48 imagine. hours yeah. and nothing terrible had happened, I'm like, I'm in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went back to wearing flip flops <laughs> because getting disappointed like that just. Yeah. Yeah. No. So they are dangerous. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, they're, they're hideous. They're gross. Yeah. They're not. They're not beautiful. So something I've never understood is when they tell you like, oh, to avoid foot fungus in a public shower, you should wear flip flops. And I'm like, they're open shoes. How is that going to like it lives in the water? I think um, I think the point is that if you wear if you wear flip flops, then just getting exposed to the fungus isn't the problem. The problem is standing on it and grinding it into your skin like yeah. The problem, it's like anything, it's like any infection. Having a little exposure to it doesn't mean that you're going to get infected. Putting yourself in a situation where you're smashing your toes into it and getting someone else's dead fungified skin particles all in between your toes gives it a much better chance of taking hold than you walking around in flip-flops. See what I mean? Okay. Yeah, like, I'll buy that. Yeah, like it's not, it's it's the same reason we wear masks. It's like, it's not that the mask is going to 100% protect you from every single viral particle that's in the air. It mm -hmm. lowers the overall viral particle in the environment if everyone's wearing a mask. And even if okay. you're just wearing a mask, <clears throat> it reduces the number of viral particles that go into your lungs, which gives your immune system more opportunity to never let the virus take hold, which I think right. is the same concept of wearing flip-flops in a shower. Um, okay. I will accept that. Yeah, that's my <laughs> uh, generally like, you know, that's that makes my more sense than anything anyone has said to me so far. Yeah. And because I was like, OK, I get the like, but you're only raising yourself up an inch. And if your feet are wet and the environment is wet, there's really not very much keeping these things from intermingling. Like you're not right. wearing closed toed shoes. And so you're going to come in contact with it. Yeah. But I see your point. I see yeah. your point. Yeah. Like it's sort of like, OK, yeah, but maybe like the thinner skin on the bottom, like between your toes is less exposed, like all of that that stuff yeah um yeah because yeah, just getting know. some on you doesn't mean you're going to be infected it just means right like you know and yeah anyway see do. also MRSA couch right see also MRSA couch exactly yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's my story with flip-flops i i have to say i do not support the use of flip-flops in daily activities but i am also guilty right. it almost killed me once yeah except it didn't almost kill me i um one thing i enjoy about wearing flip-flops for me is this kind of like um it has this kind of how do i put this like uh, it, it <laughs> incurs like a personal philosophy on me which is that um it forces me to think about the things i'm gonna do and not just like run over and bend over and jump in the middle of like some you know nail bed or something like it's like 
it makes me think about where I'm walking. It makes me think about those things. And so it's like if yeah. I'm doing something, it's like, oh, I'm going to go do something where I want to protect my feet because I'm going to be – so I'm always a little more mindful. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't had a foot injury in a long, long, long time. However, I will argue that uh, wearing sandals in general – actually, I don't think I've ever been stung by a bee on my foot when I wear flip-flops. It's other fucking sandals. Oh. It's the sandals that hold on. It's oh. like with flip-flops, as soon as something gets under there, I just like flip it off and Flick then the bee out. flies yeah. away and doesn't sting me. And I mean, that's for sure in the plus column for flip-flops. Yeah. We don't want to be entirely anti-flip-flop. Right. Um, so, yeah, you, but like, oh, were you wearing like Merrells or something or Birkenstocks when you got stung? Yeah, or just like, I, I think I think at the time I had those, um, you know, like any sandal with a strap, like a heel strap, like anything that like oh, keeps yeah. it, you know, anything that keeps it from falling off your foot um, has always been kind of a a dangerous dangerous sandal for me i'm like if i'm doing that i'm just putting shoes on i don't need to yeah they seem um, like a they seem like uh simultaneously and a supposed improvement over the design of a flip-flop which leaves you entirely vulnerable to your environment but it's like if you're just if you're gonna go halfway why don't you just do a shoe yeah, and that's not it's still yeah. the, the the like strap on sandal has some of the same failings as a flip flop. So right. you're not actually eliminating the problem, and you're making something that's just almost as uncomfortable as a shoe. So you might as well just wear the whole shoe. <laughs> right, and <laughs> and for me, like I I sweat a lot. Probably something you wouldn't understand, but I sweat oh, yeah, right. a lot. Um, and <laughs> so also flip flops are nice because they. Um, I can take them off and on really quickly and easily, yeah. which means I can give my feet more opportunity to breathe. Um, whereas even a shoe, even a sandal with a, with a strap means that my foot's going to sweat in there and my feet just like my sa- sandals with straps. I've had them in my life. They always just end up smelling awful really quickly. Um, <laughs> whereas flip flops don't don't. So, so here's the weirdest thing. Um, yeah. Like if I, if I have had caffeine, yeah, and I like if the slightest thing like a leaf near me rustles and I'm like, huh, and I'm spooked. <laughs> yes. I'll just start dumping sweat like uh-huh. like similar to you. Just, yeah. We both pour sweat at the slightest provocation. It's like dip, ditch the ballast. We might have to run faster. Right. And so like <laughs> uh, at a moment's notice, I can just like sweat two cups of liquid right. out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I forget why I was telling you this. Well, anyway, um, Something about flip-flops or hand sandals. Yeah, fl- I, like if I have coffee or something like that or if I'm really stressed out and I sweat, it's like the weirdest, grossest smell. But my feet have never smelled bad. Like in my whole life. Yeah. Huh. It's really weird. Yeah. Because you would think like anybody's shoes after enough like sweaty socks in them running around crazy and getting dirty and stuff would be like, they, it's just a perfect breeding ground for like we- stuff that smells weird. Yeah, my sh- my tennis shoes never smell weird. My flip flops never smell weird. I've never had a pair of shoes that smelled bad ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just I- they kind of just smell like of some version of the same shoe that they were the day I bought them brand new before they'd been put on a foot. Like, well, that's weird. That's very lucky and and good. Yeah. I know, right? right? It's a, these are things that are the opposite of disappointing. Well, they're still disappointing. Like, if of all the great amazing qualities I could have. <laughs> Feet that are impervious to smelling bad is just something no one's ever going to know about. Right. Except I just told you. But like, that's right. not, I could have gotten like, I don't know, an amazing singing voice or 
the ability to perform brain surgery without shaking. Uh-huh. But no, instead I'm like, your gift, your special gift is your feet are never going to smell and no one's <laughs> ever going to notice because it's the absence of something that's special about you. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, what fantastic. a disappointing positive trait. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Can I trade in these not smelly feet for a better personality? Please and thanks. Um. <laughs> for a better personality. Yes. Can I have a personality that's slightly less off-putting? Right. <clears throat> the thing that's um, really disappointing about you is your personality. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I wanted, just because I was so entertained by your description of it, I wanted you to discuss the benefits um and some of the the disappointment that you avoid maybe by having a turf lawn oh yeah so um my partner recently put a turf lawn in in her in her in her property in her house at her house around (laughs) her her vicinity in her in the vicinity (laughs) of her house at her property um and i was i was always like this you know, I've kind of in my life always thought it just seems like a ridiculous thing and, and yeah, kind of this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. And like, why would you do this? Like plants are amazing. And like you could grow all these plants and instead you're putting this like plastic rug out. Right. Well, <clears throat> I have to say totally won me over. Like it's it's like having it's it's like everything you wanted in a lawn without any of the things that prevent you from having any of the things you actually think you want in a lawn. Like people imagine it's like, I'm going to have this lawn and it's going to be great. We can like play games on it. We can lay down on it. We can hang out on it. We can play in it. And the reality of a lawn, if you've ever had one, is that in order to get it to that like immaculate state, you can't allow people to walk on it ever. Um, you must water right. it all Don't the time. It. It. Like there are places in the... So to be fair... In some parts of the country or parts of the world where you live, like that grass grows more natively and it just explodes and it's not really a big deal other than you just have to mow it on the regular. But um, also many people are allergic to grass, including me and lots of other people. And so for a lot of people like lawns, you can't actually enjoy them in any capacity, even when they're well maintained. Um, Yep. So this synth lawn is amazing like i can lay on it i can walk on it i can walk on it barefoot i can sit on it it doesn't change um you can water it in the sense that the water goes through it and gets absorbed into the soil below which also also helps to cool the lawn as it evaporates back out um so on a hot day you can spray some water down and have a cool lawn to like hang out on yeah and it's like um, it's semi-permeable, semi-permeable yeah, so it's, it's not going to run off water down into a sewer into the ocean. Exactly. It does a really, it's also like you, um, the really great thing about it too is it's not like concrete where the runoff is a problem because the water just continues to go through it. Um, I forget what the, is it the albedo or the... Oh, I, I don't know. The, the reflection factor. So like mm. having, so, so uh, urban environments often cause pattern weather change patterns and other heat problems because the sun gets absorbed into concrete and other surfaces Uh, i believe that the turf is very similar to grass and other like natural surfaces for that purpose so there's a lot to be said for it and anyway i i just have really been a convert it's just basically like having a rug outside on the lawn that 
is super low maintenance. Like you don't have to vacuum it. Like it doesn't. Yeah. And the great thing is like the dirt falls through it. So it's like when you walk on it, it's still pretty clean. Like, I don't know. It's just, and it just makes so, all of that space just like really functional and low maintenance. And I'm just really a big convert. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean yeah. you can't grow plants. Like if you want to grow anywhere around the lawn where you don't want lawn, you can have plants like that doesn't change anything. Um, you know, the dirt's mm -hmm. still there. And the great part is it doesn't suck the suck the valuable water away from the plants that you actually want to grow. So yeah. anyway, so uh, like, can yeah. you lift it up? Like, for example, what if somebody came in with like a bucket of, of like sand and just dumped it and it piled up to the point where it didn't it wasn't able to sift through because there oh, was way more yeah yeah like, like you can pull it up you or? can pull it up like it's it's tacked down um uh -huh. so that it doesn't shift around and it uh like in that in that regard you could pull it up like that would probably be a situation where you'd probably want to just move most of the sand off of the top of it right and then some of it would just like wash down into it but if it created yeah. a weird thing where you wanted to like level the lawn you could just pull it up and it's in these patches and you could like pull it up mm. and and readjust how big it are the patches it is it kind of like carpet squares that interlink no it's like big rolls of it like um I, you can't tell because I didn't see them putting it in and it's oh, seamless from okay. like from my perspective. But mm -hmm. I, I do know that there are seams somewhere. And so there are big patches you can pull up, but they are um, I, I, you can't tell. Uh, yeah. It just looks like a seamless lawn. I mean, you you look at it and you're like, no one has a lawn that perfect. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, it just looks like a weird lawn that you I mean, it just looks like a it just if you want your house to be perfect with a white picket fence, like you're going to do a synth lawn because otherwise, what's the point? You're never going to yeah. you're never going to get there with another lawn. But um, I don't know. It looks it looks fine. It just looks inviting and it's super accessible and easy to walk on and nice and feels good. I don't know. It's just I, I'm kind of a convert. It, it really I seems to. This makes me think about how like real lawns, like actual grass sod lawns are yeah. just sort of vessels for disappointment themselves and are yeah. themselves like disappointment reliquaries maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like you can't actually enjoy them like you said. And my dad, I'm thinking about this as we're talking about it and <clears throat> the lawn at our house, like my parents live on this big double lot uh -huh. so they have like twice as much lawn to mow as everybody else even though they hate spending time outside <laughs> why would we spend time outside when we pay for this air conditioning mm -hmm. and so like they never leave the house and they right. never spend any time in the out on the lawn um and like so they have to go out and mow this gigantic lawn and as kids anytime my dad was frustrated with us he would just go mow the lawn and so the lawn was always like perilously short like uh -huh. we're gonna kill it off yeah because you keep mowing it because you're so mad at us all the time. And so, um, like, my dad would just go out and mow the lawn. And I just think of how much, <clears throat> like, how much energy yeah. went into growing that lawn. Yeah. Like, all the photosynthesis and all those blades of grass and all of the energy my dad put into destroying it yes. <laughs> as a result of being frustrated with us. Uh -huh. And, like, the mass, the, like, hyper concentration of ener disappointed energy in that like geographic location like the next people who move are in are going to be like is there like a secret burial ground here i don't know i just feel uneasy all the time <laughs> right. oh no that's just because for like 20 years my dad was angry every time he set foot out here uh-huh uh, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like the sims you know when you like murder people and then you bury them in the backyard and whenever people come over to visit they just spend time in your backyard mourning over the dead people's yes. like, headstones right <laughs> <clears throat> like that but without the headstones uh -huh. um so yeah my dad like man and that lawn i don't know why we even had the lawn like 
I would bet you that my parents' lot is bigger than an acre. Wow. Yeah. So it was a big lawn. I'm thinking like, for example, if they converted it into like an actual f- market farm, yeah, they could feed like a lot of people off that space. Yeah. It far, far, far more food than you could feed a single family with. Like they could feed the entire neighborhood off the space that they have on their land if they wanted to. I'm not suggesting that they do. Sure. They have they hilariously they yeah. have kind of clay soil. And one year my mom decided that she was going to put in a garden and she put it sort of behind the garage, which if the entire property is a big rectangle, there's the house on one end yeah. of the property and then there's a garage next to it and then there's a big open space at the other end of the property. So mm-hmm. house, garage, open space. And so my mom put like this garden in behind the garage um, and it was a bad design for a garden because it was always out of sight. And so you never like thought to go water it or whatever. Like you can't just put a garden in and then walk away from it. Right. <clears throat> and so nobody ever tended it. And my dad was always complaining about having to mow around it. <coughs> and like the people who owned the house before my parents, I think, had built it. Oh. And so it was kind of like their little dream house or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like, like the whole problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. They had like plum trees out back. Mm hmm. Bunch of other stuff. My rhubarb, my dad's like, I got rid of all that. I was sick of mowing around it. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I feel what? like you'd be like, I got rid of the lawn. I was sick of mowing it. Right. <laughs> I put in all these trees instead so we never have to mow again. And look, we have food. Uh-huh. Instead, no. he's like, I, I want to be able to mow in a straight line, so I need this thing out of the way. Yeah, I think my parents see themselves in the next step of human evolution that, like, crawled out of the muck of farming and into the office tower as a means of evolving <laughs> higher somehow. Right. We grow, we grew arms and legs, and we crawled our way off that farm. Uh-huh. Right. And now we sit at a desk and push and paper we sit and at pencils. A desk, like civilized, advanced people. Right. But where and does your food come from? Stop ruining it. Stop ruining it. I go to work. I have worked my entire career to not be asked questions like this. Take my money and make food happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Take my money and give me everything I want. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, I'm growing. This is like news because I'm growing a farm at my house. I'm really excited because like we are so good at the first step in any good idea is obviously acquiring a, don- a like Internet domain name to host whatever idea yes. you've got. And so I've I've quadrupled down on that. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. <laughs> I have four website names for uh-huh. my future website URLs for my future website, only one of which will actually probably be in use and the other three will just redirect to it. Right. right. Mostly I wanted to make sure that nobody else could have my good idea because I am the child of boomers as much as I criticize them. And I'm like, I, it's not good enough to own the one thing I have to own all of them. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. So <clears throat> uh, this year I will be putting... Uh, well, not this year, it turns out, but soon I will be putting, uh, a lot of stuff together to just basically plant the entire yard at this point with food uh, yeah. stuff. And I'm going to put in probably, I think a greenhouse somewhere and lots of hoop houses and like just the whole yard's going to be 
covered in food. And then I'm also doing that in the basement too, so that all of my eggs aren't in one fiery inferno of a basket in mm-hmm. my yard. And, right. <clears throat> you know, when the great firewall waves through and like we all have to come out and look at the singed and smoldering landscape, I'll be like, well, thank God we've got those lettuce towers in the basement. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all going to be okay, everybody. There's lettuce in my Yay. basement. <laughs> lettuce is mostly water, so. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it, it, you can survive on lettuce for quite a while. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, I am building some bee condos for my yard because I'm going to raise native nesting bees as opposed to like honeybees, European honeybees, which are over depended on and also aren't as prolific at pollinating stuff as local pollinators, wherever you might happen to live. So you should, I'm getting 20 different varieties of seeds in the oh, mail. Cool. 21! 21! Yeah. So I just ordered 20 and then I ordered some other seeds from somebody else. So that would be 21. I'm getting a ch- ch- cherry trees that grow up here. Cool. And a bunch of prairie flowers that l- the types of native pollinators here are attracted to. So I'll have 20 different types of perennial flowers in my yard that I will plant around the edges of all of my flower of all of my food beds. Yeah. And I'm not tilling. I'm doing no till organic method um, unless my soil testing comes back with problems, in which case I'll have to do raised beds. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be fine. And then I think what we might do is put a solar food dryer, a food dehydrator between mm-hmm. my house and the neighbor's house. Oh, smart. Um, in Because between our back, uh, we live adjacent to each other on the alley. Yeah. And in between our two garages is a patch of ground that is now growing over with some like grass and like milkweed and things like that. Um, but it was used before I moved in here and before my current neighbor occupied his house the space there and the garage there was used to fix automobiles and it was like this little cottage industry that this guy had and so we know for a fact that there's like all kinds of hydrocarbons and stuff probably back there in the soil there yeah yep so we're gonna try what i'm going to do is uh they have a lot of stuff they have a kid and they're trying to build a large gazebo back there and a pergola and all these other things so i was like okay well why don't you let me start messing around with this like shitty space in between our driveways and I'll do some soil testing. I'll find out how bad it is. I'll get a bunch of plants to chelate a bunch of it out. Yep. And I'll just start working on it. And in the meantime, I'll just build stuff that's above ground that we can use for other purposes so we don't have to dig in that dirt and we don't have to try and use it for planting. And that's a good place to put something like a solar kiln and a food dehydrator. Yeah, yeah. Because they're big. Right, right. Um, but that'll be really exciting and like for anyone who doesn't know a solar kiln is what you use to dry out green wood so that you can either burn it or use it in construction mm-hmm. and um, a food dehydrator is basically like a series of screens that are arranged horizontally above the ground and then they have a clear lid that fold that plops down on top of them um, and it kind of looks like a little display case, but you angle them toward the sun so that the sun heats them up in both cases and dries out whatever is inside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one of the problems with the super short growing season up here in Minnesota is that you, to grow enough food for you to eat, you need to grow it and then do something with it. Like you, it's not like in San Diego where stuff just grows you around and you walk outside and grab food if you're hungry because it's growing right there. It's like right, at right. least eight months of the year here, shit's not growing. Or it's not growing to a point where it's edible. And so 
we have to like stockpile whatever we do grow in the four months that we're able to grow stuff. And so things like kale become kale powder that you reconstitute and add back into things. And so as much food as you can dry and store dried is like really beneficial. And you can use a solar kiln almost any time or a, a food dehy- an outdoor food dehydrator like that, mm-hmm. solar dehydrator anytime you want, because I think it gets pretty freaking hot. Um, yeah. I mean, I imagine like, you know, it doesn't, I, I think also like you can get a lot of the infrared light uh, passes through a lot of, a lot of cloud covers, my understanding. So it's even though, yeah. even though like there are clouds, people are like, oh, there's clouds. It's like, yeah, but you get a sunburn, right? Like it's not, you know, you can, you can still capture quite a lot of the solar energy um, right. despite cloud cover. Yeah. Um, uh, not to pivot too hard back to mm. our topic, but I just yeah. discovered that um, in the discussion of reliquaries and yes. their containment of disappointment. So there on the Wikipedia website. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one for of, reliquary or for, for disappointment? For reliquary. Yes. There are a bunch of uh, subcategories for reliquaries. And one of the ways you can sort them is reliquaries by shape. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. What kind mm. of shapes are like there's a there's clearly a trend in shape of reliquary to the point where one could, you know, make uh make categories so you know there's some that you might think of like cups caskets um chests Mm, crosses tablets here's the ones that crack me up are you ready yes arm reliquaries oh my god so (gasps) lots lots of reliquaries in the category of arm reliquaries so many in fact they have a subcategorization of arm reliquaries by country Oh my God! Is that is someone's arm stuff in there? I don't know. There's arm reliquaries in Italy. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah, this one has I long guess fingernails. I guess so. Uh, there's arm of Saint Agatha uh, at the Cathedral of Palmero, Palmero oh in Italy. I I don't know what's actually in there. Oh my God! The skull of Pope Alexander One was housed in a head-shaped reliquary. Yes, yes. So there's reliquaries by by shape, which includes heads and legs. Oh my God! It's nuts. Like we're we're weird. Yes. There are these feet. Yep. The yes. I'm looking where you're looking. Oh my God. This is so weird. Uh, some of these reliquaries, like the box and chest reliquaries, remind me of tiny versions of super ornate churches. Mm-hmm. Like they look like church dollhouses. Yeah, I mean they are they are incredibly ornate, um, like artifacts and relics in and of their own right. Um, yeah, they're really bizarre. Um, I I think we should try to uh, the next time we get together we should make a disappointment reliquary. Um, All right. and maybe we need to start that as an art movement hashtag disappointment reliquary. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm down for that. Like we could put all kinds of stuff in there. Um, yeah. Like a friend of mine made a a little tiny little garbage dumpster, and it says 2020 inside Cute. of it. And then there's calendars or calendars. There's candles inside, so you can light the candles. So when you flip the top up and you light candles, there's like oh, a little dumpster with a little fire in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a disappointment reliquary right there. It absolutely is. Yeah, I will have to uh, mention that to her and see if she's uh, interested in getting in on this. Getting in on the uh, art movement. This is the art movement of the twenty first century. Is that where we are? Yeah, I'm. 
I'm totally down. Modern art. Um, mo- moderner art. Modernist art. Yeah. Modern modern est because it's the most mo- moderner. Moderner art. So um, the most modern art. There's a there's a really fancy um, paper that was written for uh, some kind of an academic journal, and it's wax embedding as a method for preservation of body relics used by the Orthodox Church. <laughs> oh, nice. And so, and, uh, it talks about holy relics occupying a special place in Christian. Uh, Christianity and Christian ritual uh-huh. ever since the birth of the church. Um, saints have been venerated by the faithful and valued more than treasures. And so there's a necessity for consecrating an altar to celebrate the Eucharist or whatever. And it's not just objects of veneration. And so they're like, so, you know, if you got to do this stuff, here's how you do it. Uh huh. If you're going to like preserve a nipple for all time. You can do it in this wax disc. Particularly useful for preparation of relics for display. According to the proportion of the ingredients, it should remain flexible and adhesive, easily workable with the heat of the hands. The soft texture allows the relic to be pressed easily in the small disc. Furthermore, wax mastic should have constant properties in different ambient temperatures. It is not supposed to melt in the heat of summer or crack with the cold of winter. Interesting that they say supposed to. Uh-huh. I mean, can you imagine if you were like looking at a thing and you were like, what is this? Oh, and you crack it and like out comes <laughs> a 2,000-year-old tooth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I can't imagine. <laughs> the essence of the process of wax embedding is no different from the one of the final stage of mummification or of modern-day plastination. Mm-hmm. The steps are closely followed. Fixation and dehydration, impregnation with polymer. Ugh. Ugh. The process is just one of the many variants of a well-known protocol for preservation of biological tissues. Did they do this to Jeremy Bentham's head? Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. You know about that, right? Like he had his head and like the auto, the, uh, the auto icon and they would like roll his like preserved corpse into meetings at the board of regents or whatever. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Great. I, I think I may have said this before, at least in one of our conversations, if not in one of the ones that's been recorded for this podcast, but I would love when I die to have some crazy thing that people have to do in order to get my money. Yes. Like, okay, you can have all my vast fortunes and all of my wealth, but, but there's yeah. a catch. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really small. It's You're not even going to mind. Right. Right. You need to turn me into a backpack so that I'm a grinning skull over your shoulder every time we walk into the meeting. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's going to be great. People it's, are going to be so happy to see us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what kind of a reliquary would you like to build? I would like to build something that's a very ornate version of a bigger thing, but in miniature. Like those, I'm really attracted to the reliquaries that are like gilded churches and Mm -hmm. like tiny little cathedrals with extensive flying buttresses four inches long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think uh, I find that also 
I, I don't know. I guess like I'd want to think about what I'm going to put in it. Oh, of course. The um, design of the exterior probably it will have something to do with whatever's stored inside of it. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm just kind of like thinking about, well, what is it that I actually want to put? Like what what goes in a disappointment reliquary? Oh, um, I'm going to put a model of a nuclear family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Um, and I'm going to put one of the little family members in a shirt that says fun hater. And I'm not going to admit which one it's supposed to represent. But I think we all know. <laughs> that's a that's a solid move. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think a big part of it for me will have to be what goes in it. And I, I'm not totally sure. I think maybe um, I would put. I think I'd put probably like definitely something that represents um, kind of the generations that came before us. Cause like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of disappointment there in terms of, you know, <laughs> what they, what they left for the rest of us um, and what their expectation was for us to somehow accomplish. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, like how do you, enc- like how do you avocado toast? Oh, good one. So maybe it's a toast rack or maybe it's an avocado that you open up and then What if it's a, a toaster with an avocado in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I I do. I like that. That could work. Yeah. Um yeah, so those are kind of like, you know, I'd have to I'd have to kind of sit there and look at the materials I have in front of me and think about that. But right. yeah, definitely right. I think something Something in that realm would feel would probably feel right. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like mine to be gilded for sure. Like we've got to get some. <clears throat> I mean, I want it to be so gilded. I'm I'm all for that like gold leaf that you rub off onto the surface of things. Although mm-hmm. that seems like it might not be very cost effective. So I would settle for gold glitter. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Which um, is a disappointment by comparison, and also disappointing <laughs> in that it gets everywhere and you can't get rid of it. And so, uh-huh. I think like for anyone who's even in remote proximity to this reliquary, they're going mm-hmm. to walk away covered in annoying gold glitter, which seems to just be appropriate. It just works. Yeah, it's like you know, it's um, far-reaching. We'll put it that way. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I could see that working really well. Mm-hmm. I think um, I don't want mine to look like a church. I think that <laughs> for a lot of people who maybe grew up going, to, being forced to go to church, churches are disappointment reliquaries in and of themselves, and yeah. you are the thing that goes in them. Yep, yep. Um, you know. Yeah. Do we have any? Do we have any colors of the day from the research team? Oh my because gosh! I feel like yes, we do. They're uh, kind of an antidote to disappointment. Let me, Everything they come up with is amazing. Let me just find where did that go? They, they really have their message. finger on the pulse of which colors are representative of what's going on. All right. All right. Just writing. Yep. Okay. They just sent us. Oh well. This is great. Yeah, I think these are good ones. So these are... Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. So, offending kelpwort. 
is the first color. <laughs> uh, we have two two colors, uh, as we always do of the color of the day. We have offending kelpwort and anemic gallery. Um, <laughs> so the first one, I uh, so first of all, if you're following along, um, you can. We're going to give you a hexadecimal value that you can put right into uh, Google, and it will pop up a color viewer for you. So. Um, the hexadecimal, so the entire hexadecimal value that you want to put in there is a pound sign or hashtag or octothorpe. So you're going to go uh, hashtag 53281F. That's hashtag 53281Foxtrot. Um, so if you put, put that in Google, uh, so this is like a kind of like a dark reddish brown, maybe? It's, oh my God, it's like maroon. Yes. But, but maroon under a big shady tree like it's really like toned down maroon mm-hmm. like almost like a disappointing maroon almost like a di- i wanted it to be maroon but somehow it's not right <laughs> and uh and so it's um it's uh what is it called it's um it's paired color uh for today the anemic gallery. So the yes. hexadecimal value for this is going to be uh, Octothorpe uh, Alpha Charlie Delta 7 Echo 0. So that's hashtag ACD7E0. And if you Very put that nice. in, you're going to see this kind of... I, I like I like the name of this one because it, it to me, this is the color that someone would paint the gallery walls when they didn't really know what they were doing and they didn't actually have quite a lot of art to display in the gallery or like weren't really like, so they, first of all, they fail to paint the walls like a a matte white to offset any other things that are going on to remove them from the equation of viewing the art. Instead they're like, Oh, like we're going to do this kind of this Robin egg blue. Oh, but it's, it's muted and it's kind of, feels a little gray and a little disappointing as well and a mm-hmm. little bit anemic like it's not it doesn't have a lot of like saturation of the blue um i, f- I feel so like f- we should be able to get something going here but we just can't right <laughs> right exactly yeah. i like the anemic blue also i um i like it because oh so anemic gallery when i think about that i think of like a whole vacuous open gallery of like walls and ceiling and floor this color yes and one piece of art in it and uh-huh. it's somebody like trying to pass off a copy of the Mona Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Just like brutally disappointing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like and like somewhere in the conversation about the color selection for the walls, it was like, well, we don't want to take away from the art. Right. And so it's like this color that's like mm, chalk dust. <laughs> yeah, chalk dust. <laughs> like a like a like a whitewash that somebody accidentally spilled on some blue jeans Uh uh-huh and acid wash blue jeans from the 1980s with the pleats right definitely yeah and the ankles are pinned so they're really really tight Uh uh-huh yeah loony at the top yeah those jeans it's yeah this is a really this is these colors are absolutely perfect for today's yeah. episode subject matter yep. like yep. the the ga- the the anemic gallery is like just a disappointing art reliquary it has disappointing art reliquary written all over it right in fact i want to use this color as the interior color of the big fancy thing that i make for yes yeah yeah your your disappointment reliquary containment My disappointment unit. reliquary yeah. yeah 
this is great. This is yeah. great. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Great job, I mean, team. As always, round yeah. of applause for the research team. Oh, if you uh, so if you've been listening this long and you don't know, uh, we do like to hear from our listeners, and you can absolutely email us. Uh, you can email our executive assistant Dana at d a n a at fcbm.io, and she'll make sure to forward your email uh, to either or both of us, depending on what your question is or what your comment is or whatever. Um, uh, just if you write in, um, let us know if you don't, you know, if you have any wishes as far as like our sharing of your content that you are sending to us. I mean, generally our rule is like, we won't, we're not going to say what you said on air or to anybody unless we ask you specifically. So, um, right. yeah, but, um, we would love to hear from you. And then also yes. if you do decide to embark on creating your own disappointment reliquary, uh, we would love to see it. Um, <sighs> and yes. learn about what your take is on that. So we would love we, to see that. So Yeah, we could even p- put pictures of it up if you wanted to and give credit to you on our our website, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fcbm.io, if you go there, you'll also find our contact information and ways to get a hold of us and however Whee! you want to uh, interface with us. We'd love to That's hear right. from you. That's right. We'll be yeah. disappointed, but you knew that already. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. We got you your favorite thing for your birthday. Disappointment. <laughs> uh, good so stuff. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Oh my God, wear your masks when you go outside again because everybody's going to get sick and have breakthrough illness and it's just going to keep sweeping the globe until we're all dead or the fire gets us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do what you can. Yeah. Get a vaccine if you can. Yep. Stay, you know, stay safe. Okay. Okay. Okay, thanks, everybody. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. Bye.